It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. You're listening to BGN Radio. Thrown out to the far side of the bubble screen and running in for the touchdown is Jeremy Macklin. Right here on bleedinggreennation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly. Mm. And part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. What's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? Uh, we have uh, made it to number, what are we at, 77, I believe, as uh, the Cowboys have just uh, peed away the rest of their playoff existence, and we're all excited about it. And, of course, uh, you know, the controversy uh, that comes along with it. But uh, karma's a big bitch, and uh, we enjoy it, even though I think it's a really dumb rule, and it was an amazing catch by Des Bryant. Nonetheless, we are joined by the draft crew, Mr. Dan Klausner, making an appearance back again. We are happy to have him, along with Mr. Matt Daring from Our Eagles, and, of course, his beautiful voice, as you hear right now, Mr. Mike Kay, how are you, sir? Hello. Uh, and uh, yeah, just uh, your overall thoughts with the uh, with the Cowboys game here, Mike. Um, well, sweet justice. Uh, you know, uh, people are going to complain, and they have every reason to complain. It is a kind of a lame rule, but uh, I understand why it's there. It's kind of like, um, you know, uh, uh, what do they call it? Um, shielding the ball when it goes to the ground. Um, you know, it's you could look at it as a makeup call by the 
football gods for the Lions game and one of the worst calls I think I've ever seen. But, uh, you know, I'm happy with it, you know. Yeah, I mean, as long as the Cowboys aren't winning. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so Dan. When is the uh, Jason uh, Garrett extension coming? You know, that's I think that's the other thing we want to know. Three, two, one. Oh, check there, Twitter. There maybe. it is. There it is. Okay. Oh my goodness! Is it off? Yeah. Is it on? <laughs> yeah, car- yeah. What they, that's what they say, man. Karma's a Karma's a mother a mother bleeper. So uh, you know. What comes around comes around, and uh, all is right in the world. Matt and I were actually talking about this uh, just uh, just after the game. You know, Matt, I mean, why wouldn't uh, – it doesn't seem like Garrett would have any leverage here coming into this thing. Um, maybe would you expect him to make him a couple of phone calls given the horrible, you know, coaching situation that's developing in the NFL currently? Uh, yeah, I don't see why um, – I don't see why you wouldn't. I mean, Garrett doesn't have any leverage. That's true. Um, and Dallas can certainly point to his iffy track record and the fact that – Nobody's actually sure what he does and that he's got like six other people that also help him do what he's supposed to do. Um, I made a joke on Twitter that he was so excited to call timeouts because that's the one thing he's still allowed to do. But he um, I don't know how the Cowboys really have any leverage with him either. You know, if the Cowboys are hell bent set on keeping him because they can walk all over him or because he's got a funny face or maybe because they even think he does a good job. I think that um, they're just going to have to sit and wait. And if you're Jason Garrett, why don't you call Atlanta, you know, or why don't you call up um, – uh, who else is still looking? Oakland or or some the, even San Francisco and and just say like, hey, you know, I'm available. The Cowboys are offering me this. If you match it, uh, I'd certainly like a change of pace. Um, you know, or I'd like a new challenge, and I'd really like one where they don't hire uh, five other people to make sure that to stand you know stand behind me and nod or whatever. Because <laughs> uh, I I think Jason Garrett. I don't know. I don't really have an opinion one way or another on Jason Garrett. Um, the Cowboys' offense has obviously been better than their defense, but I don't know why. Um, I don't know. I don't know why he'd stand for that. Yeah, it'll be um, it'll be kind of interesting. I really do think that this was kind of a um, it, it's going to be a weird off season for them because I don't think Demarco Murray's going to come back. They're obviously going to have to pay uh, Des Bryant, and hopefully they just screw all that up. And you know who knows what's uh, in question for Tony Romo next year. But uh, Green Bay, Seattle, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're recording this before uh, the Colts and Broncos, so we won't uh, get into any of that. But a pretty good weekend for football if you're uh, not counting the uh, the horrid Carolina game that we all knew was coming. Uh, but, you know, we're we're going to step into it. We're going to talk a little bit about draft stuff. Um, we're going to avoid the uh, the Mariota talk as much as possible because I know the local Philly radio has been pounding that into submission, and we've talked about it at length before. I think we all know our stances on that going forward. But, uh, Matt, I'm going to come back to you because it's interesting that the two Eagles' needs are – you know, QB and cornerback, and it's a bad draft for both of those things. So um, what would you suggest as as far as an, uh, an approach to this in the first couple of rounds? Are you thinking more defense? Do you want these guys to go more offense? Or what, what kind of strategy as of now are you looking for? Uh, well, I'm of two minds. Uh, somebody on Twitter, um, Proto Tyler, he made the point that if this draft is so bad for the two things we need, then what's the point of – uh, keeping these picks and not and not um, trying to trade them away from Mariota, but I'm under strict orders from you, John, <laughs> the gun to my head to not talk about this. We can talk so, about it, just to, you know, not the usual. No, uh, no, no, you know. no, I don't. I don't really want to talk about okay. it, but because um, it's let's be honest, it's been all said to death. It's even been said to death by us. Um, but uh, I think that the other thing you should look at is is you should just talk about getting good players. I mean, we. Um, 
it's sort of it's sort of cliche, the best player kind of thing. But but this draft is is um, is very good in other areas. And maybe it's not areas that, you know, we desperately need, but I'm not really sure that it, I've been totally convinced that um, going taking your position of weakness and trying to make it into a position of strength is the smart way to go. I think you just want to get good players. The same reason why um, you should spend your money on good players already on the roster rather than players that are not already on the roster. You know, it's that same sort of idea. So if we can't if we can't get good corners in this draft. Um, what's wrong with these wide receivers? This is a great draft for wide receivers. There's like four or five guys who are really awesome. Um, then there's um, some very good players along the offensive line. Uh, there's really good running backs. I mean, any of these players would be worth taking early on, especially especially with that first pick where, you know, if we're looking at like uh, Trey Waynes is already gone and, and uh, you know, there's really nobody else there unless you think um, – Unless you want to draft Marcus Peters so he can break his hand on someone's helmet, <laughs> I I think that um I think that you just want to take um take some good players. Ah, you know? there it is. Take some good players. Well, it, take it, some, it, and it's easy, right? You know, if you if 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 the Eagles are listening to this, give me a call. Yeah, just <laughs> we're we're available for a very very small fee. You know, yeah, I'm so. a I'm a grad student, so really anything. I mean, we could do, yeah, yeah, but we're not football guys yeah. apparently. So <laughs> oh, I don't know how. Old I think for next Halloween, I'm going to dress myself in a human-sized football and just call myself football guy. <laughs> just get Ooh, a little, I like that. Yeah, put a little hat on. I think it looks. Yeah, great. I'm, I'm just going to take like two huge leather hides and just sew them around my body and be with laces and be football guy. Well, uh, Dan, I mean, you know, since uh, all the Eagles need to do is get good players, and I don't know why that's mm. that's not so mm-hmm. hard to figure out here. Uh, I mean, like, all what? right, you want me to take that again? <laughs> no, 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 not at all, not at all. We're just giving you giving you the rub a little bit. Uh, uh, but uh, no, I agree. I agree with with uh, what Matt said. I just what um, who are some key guys that maybe haven't been uh, talked about enough or or anything like that for you, Dan? Um, I wouldn't. I'm I'm very anti taking a running back in the first even three rounds just value-wise. Um, I definitely think that you need to take a wide... It's another st- very strong wide receiver class for the second year in a row. And listen, as much as a proponent as I was, the Deshaun move was was the right idea culture-wise. You need... I mean, we, listen, we didn't have a quarterback to get him the ball anyway, but you definitely need to find another sort of game-breaking wide receiver talent who's going to put the fear of God into defenses. Um, I think you have some nice... I think Jeremy Macklin's got enough speed to be a deep threat, but if you don't have a guy who can get him the ball, it doesn't matter. I think we got good pieces with Jordan Matthews and Josh Huff, but we definitely need one more. And this is the kind of—I mean, this is the kind of draft to do it. I would definitely take a wide receiver in the first round. Um, you know, Matt loves Kevin White. Um, I love Devonte Parker. I don't—I don't think he's gonna. I don't think either of them are gonna be there at twenty. Um, but one of the guys who I do think will be there at twenty and who might even be available a little later is uh, Sammy Coates. He's—he's um, he's about the definition of a freak show. You know, he's like six-two plus, two hundred something pounds. He's gonna run under a four-four. Uh, he had some troubles this year with like focus and drops, and he doesn't run a very developed route tree just because of the offense they run at Auburn. But as far as like pure physical talent goes, he's one of those rare guys. Who, you know, you, you don't find 6'2", 200-plus guys who can run in the four threes and take the top off of a defense. And he's like he fights for the ball in the air a lot too. He's really he's a lot of trouble when he gets the ball in his hands in the open field. Um, he's one of those guys who I don't know. It, it depends what he, what he does pre-draft. I think he's going to crush it, and you're going to start hearing his name again. Because remember last year when Auburn was going to the national championship, he was by far their best wide receiver and their biggest game breaker. And he had so many just amazing plays. Um, and he's one of those guys who, if you're convinced that he's the guy, take him at 20, even though I kind of think that his his uh, value right now might be more of the second round. And, um, yeah. 
Uh, he's he's like he's he's up there for me on my list. He's you know I've I haven't watched all the wide receivers, but I can't imagine a scenario where he doesn't end up top five for me. Um, there's a guy from the East West Shrine game coming up um, named Trey McBride. He uh, he's from William and Mary. He's one of these also guys who I think you're probably gonna start hearing about him a little more. He's also he's above six feet, two hundred pounds. He's probably he's definitely gonna like I think run a sub four five. Um, he seems a little more smooth than he does explosive, but he's a really good. I like the way he catches the ball. He had he had two bad drops against Richmond at the end of the game, but otherwise I haven't seen him drop a ball yet. Um, if you go back to his game against West Virginia last year, he only made three catches, but two of them were of the like super spectacular. If Des Bryant makes that catch today, variety <laughs> where he's like twi- he jumps up over the cornerback, twists in the air, keeps the ball high, gets both feet down, and it's just like a forty yard gain near the sideline. Yeah, um, I just I just watched him uh, just for a little bit, and I haven't I haven't you know just on Dan's recommendation, and um, that was the first game that I went and saw to, and it's it's amazing his ball tracking. He's got a lot of good great ups, all that stuff. That's definitely a guy I would keep an eye on. I want to come back to you, Dan, but Mike. Um, are you on the same page as far as loading up the offense? Would you rather see them address? You know, I know you were a big fan of a couple of uh, of the inside linebacker positions. Um, I know there's not a lot of great corners here. Where were you uh, heading uh, as of right now? Well, you know, it's kind of hard to, I'm going to take a cop out and say it's kind of hard to predict what's going to happen with, uh, you know, cap casualties and who they re-sign and everything sure. like that. But I, I, you know, I, I'm with you guys. I think if there's a premium wide receiver there, you know, uh, Dan, uh, didn't mention Jalen strong from ASU, who was pretty much Brandon Marshall. Uh, he's yep. another guy that'll be there probably at 20. <laughs> um, and then there's guys later on the draft, like Justin Hardy and Rashad green who might be interesting, but yeah, Sean, Sean I, Green is basically Deshaun Jackson, and I would, you know, I would, I would love to take Rashawn Green. He, he's not going to go like first, second round, I don't think. But if you're getting to the third or fourth round range, and you need that guy who can take the top off of a defense, he's another one. Uh, Devin Smith from Ohio State's another yeah, guy with game breaking speed. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I, I like Rashawn Green a lot. It's just, and he's going to get pigeonholed for his for his size, and he's going to drop down the board. And you know, we probably won't even look at him because of that. But some team's going to get a really good player when they take him. I mean, I, you know, I'm with you guys with drafting good players. Uh, to me, I do think they need to nail one defensive position down in the first three rounds. Yep. But, I mean, outside of that, I I don't think you need to press. I think Chip is going to be pretty strategic with the way he goes into this draft, being that it really is all on him, uh, depending on who this GM candidate is and uh, a GM guy is. GM, quote-unquote. Yeah. Quote unquote. Yeah. Which, which the is, guy that's Well, I said I said uh via text message to Brandon, I think Dan the other day that uh the difference like the reason why other GM jobs are more appealing is because they're gonna have control of the draft room while the Eagles GM is gonna remember Chip Kelly's coffee order on day two. Right. So like it's whatever. Anyway. Well let's just say well I'll I'll just address to say like that's the thing that scares me is you know, if they bring a guy like a Chris Polian who, if it's anything is like his dad, that scares the hell out of me. So well, they're interviewing all these guys from bad teams so that when right. they hire in-house, you, you'll you be like, oh, well, you know, thank God they didn't hire that guy from the Jaguars. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I think, yeah, if you're looking defense, there's guys like Denzel Perryman, who's probably not going to get drafted by Chip because he's five foot eleven. Um, and he goes to UM, uh, Trey Flowers, who's still a little bit short, I guess, for what he'd probably want. Uh, I mentioned last week, the kid from Washington, who I'm not going to butcher his name, but his last name's, uh, Kikaha. 
the linebacker. Um, there's also a safety that I think Chip will absolutely love, and it's Anthony Harris from Virginia. I know he's uh, got a big fan base within uh, Eagles Twitter now because of his size. He's he's roughly uh-huh. about six foot six foot one, and the fact that he's a safety. <laughs> and he's a safety. He's ridiculously long. I, you remember when they signed Jerome Copeland and how freakishly long his arms are? Uh, Harris has some uniquely long arms as well. He plays really good in coverage. He's actually a pretty good open field tackler as well. He's got he uses his reach very well. So uh, there's going to be some defensive options. They might like Cody Pruitt because of his size, but outside of that, I don't see a lot to to love there. But you know, there's going to be some decent defensive options, and I think you shouldn't limit yourself to either. Just take good players, pretty much like yep. what. Uh, the way a wide receiver I didn't um, acknowledge at 20 was it's going to be Devin Funchess if he's around. It's basically Damn. you know the Zach Ertz, Jermichael Finley kind of tight end wide receiver hybrid. Um, if they want to go that route again, um, so I like him. It's I think he was in a tough situation at Michigan, and he had some. I think there were some effort questions here and there, but he's another guy who's just going to be that 6'5", 240-pound freak of nature who is going to start getting like, oh, matchup nightmare, you know, just like Ertz, just like, um, you know, that kind of well, thing. Uh, speaking of him, our good friend uh, Charlie Lindar wants to know, w- would he be a fit here? Yeah, any, anybody who's a mismatch fits with Chip Kelly. If you can find a way to put a guy like Ertz out there at wide receiver and move Funches in or vice versa, you're going to be able to win matchups. And I think against the corners that are in the in the NFC East, I think that would be essential to you know your success. I know that sounds like kind of a bland answer. But if we're talking about Funches, I want to bring up somebody who, God forbid, they, they cut Brent Selleck. Um who yeah. I think mismatch is is Max Williams from uh, from Minnesota. Um, Double X. Twenty years old, played H back, played wide receiver, played tight end. Uh, dude's incredible. Reminds me of like a, of a more athletic Keith Miller. Guy can block. Uh, he was used as an inline blocker a lot. Uh, he'll probably be available in the second or third round just because he's so. I mean, he's so young. Uh, and doesn't have a ton of experience, but he made some incredible catches while at Minnesota. And don't, uh, when don't we forget talk about that he has two axes in his name. That's the biggest part. That's the biggest. <laughs> yeah, thing. That's the best part. That's the best <clears throat> part of all. Of this. Um, well, uh, with that, I mean, there's there's a bunch of guys that we you know we talk about, and we're going to continue to talk about and get jazzed about and argue about and all that good stuff. But before we get into that, I know there's a lot of lot of people on Eagles Twitter, a lot of people on the site that mention a, a bunch of different names that think that would be good fits. But Matt. Um, you know, out of those guys, who are some that you just don't think that the Eagles will, they will pass on despite their talent? Uh, I would think that, um, and I think this is going to be extremely frustrating, but I think that anybody with any sort of serious character question, and there's a bunch, mm-hmm. um, I think that anybody with a serious character question is going to end up just being totally off the board. And, and you know what? I think that's okay. Um, I think that some people might be frustrated with it. Um, but, you know, if you have a guy like Doriel Green Beckham who pushed his girlfriend down the stairs, like, I don't want a guy like that on my team. Um, you have a guy like Marcus Peters who can't stop taking swings at his coaches. Uh, you have P.J. Williams who um, got drunk, crossed over into oncoming traffic, hit someone, hit a, a kid coming home from working at the Olive Garden um, head on, a 17-year-old kid, um, and then bolted into the night. Uh, got out of his car, which was totaled, and bolted into the night. Guys like that. I mean, these are – and then, you know, these, we have two cornerbacks here and um, – a big time wide receiver. And I would just think that, you know, the Eagles would take a look at that and they're going to be like, um, you know, how are we going to even talk this guy into sleeping 10 hours a night, let alone, you know, 
anything else. I just don't think that we're going to end up with um, some of these guys who you might be seen as as character question marks. I think those guys are destined for, um, let's call it orange or pastures at a place like the Bengals or the Browns. Uh want to get back into that, but uh, breaking uh, news is uh, it's always a joyous occasion. Rod Marinelli happening as we speak at 5.18 p.m. on a Sunday night. Uh, Rod Marinelli more than likely going to be named per uh, pro football talk to the Buccaneers as a defensive coordinator. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I, I'm telling you, it, it's just setting up to be beautiful here, guys. Uh, what? How does? I don't understand that move really for the Cowboys, or excuse me, for him. Uh, but uh, yeah, Mike, what does that mean, really? All right, guys, I'm going to give you three seconds. We're all going to laugh at once. All right, okay. one. Two, three. <laughs> 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 All right. Anyway, I enjoyed that. Okay. So what that means is essentially he gets to work with Lovey Smith, who, you know, they're both Tampa two guys. And I think, you know, he's getting older. Maybe he, yeah, with the yeah, they worked with the did he work with the Bears? Oh, yeah, before getting the Lions job, right? Marinelli, Marinelli suggests who did he, he suggested someone else besides Tressman? Was it Arians? Yeah, he suggested Arians instead of Tressman, and when they hired Tressman, he resigned. Right, right. Good call. Yeah. Yes, wow. very good call. Um, so, Marinelli will be with somebody who he's comfortable with, and, uh, you know, who knows? I think that that's a sinking ship. I, you know, I got annoyed when you guys were like, Dallas Cowboys fans don't know what the hell they're talking about, because I thought Dallas was actually a pretty good team, but, you know, they after were. a while. No, but, now, but now, but now... But now, this is going to lead to a lot of stuff. I mean, if this is getting reported, a, what is it, an hour after the game? Oh, it's been already done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's this is this is going to be able to, this is going to start tearing at the seams. I don't think Des Bryant and, and DeMarco Murray come back next year. No way. One of them's gone. One of them's gone. And it, that's what I'm saying. And they'll probably, uh, your hope now as an Eagles fan, is that they screw that up big time and they end up signing Murray and somehow, you know, let go of Dez. I don't see that happening, but, I mean, this is just this is kind of just the the thing that I think all of us have been saying all along is Jared Gase, or Jared Gason. <laughs> Jason Garrett can't really coach, you know. Uh, I mean, he, he might be a, a game manager or any of that other stuff, but yeah, I know. Go ahead. Dan. I was going to say the first thing that popped in my mind when you go when, when when Mike broke in about the Rod Marinelli, uh, Rod Marinelli going to uh, Tampa is that, well, Wade Phillips is coming back, baby. Oh. Defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> he wouldn't That's, do that, would he? Literally, no, he already got hired by Washington. Why not? Literally, the first thing that popped in my head was that. So, I mean, they'd have to switch back to a three four and all that crap. But that, I'm just no. Regardless of whether or not it happens, that was the first <laughs> instinct I had. So. Well, he, already, awesome. he already got hired by Washington, didn't he? Was he hired? I thought he no. was. No, I think I he think interviewed, right. interviewed or was uh, down there. He hired. That was he interviewed and then, yeah, um, marshmallows. Yeah, but it, it'll be, um, uh, that's going to be entertaining. I mean, it, it, the offseason might be a little scary for the Eagles, but it's going to be more than entertaining. Re- re-elevate Monty Kiffin back to defensive coordinator. <laughs> uh, uh, that'd be great. Oh, uh, it's going to, I think that's, you know, and Linehan's been in talk for uh, head coaching jobs, so. And office coordinator jobs uh, elsewhere. I really want to hear Jerry Jones tell Monty Kiffin that uh, he wants him to play more man. Uh, That was my favorite. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, uh, you know, uh, hopefully there'll be more fun uh, breaking news like that uh, coming in here. But uh, I know we we were talking about character issues as far as that goes. And I know a lot of outside voices have, you know, even mentioned that, hey, you 
Chip Kelly just can't have a bunch of choir boys in here and all that other stuff. So, I mean, Matt, do you think that will be a bigger issue uh, towards, you know, the draft over it's one guy or another and they end up passing on more talented guys? Uh, yeah, well, I do think so. I mean, one thing I've seen a lot of people say is that, um, you know, that, that Chip Kelly's been sort of building up this um, this this roster of choir boys uh, so that he can take more chances on um, on uh, guys who are who are, are not that type of person. You, you know what I mean? Like people are saying, like, well, you know, you get a lot of strong character guys, and maybe they can sort of keep these guys in line. But uh, in my experience, it just it just doesn't work that way. Um, I don't think we've seen a lot of that around where, you know, you have like some total loose cannon and, and um, he gets introduced to, um, you know, somebody who's, you know, not that way. And, and they sort of keep him in line. I mean, you might you might sort of think that that's what goes on. But I think behind the scenes, it doesn't really happen that way. I mean, I think a lot of people sort of thought that uh, Jason Avant kept Deshaun Jackson in line, but I'm not really sure anybody kept Deshaun Jackson in line. Um, and, and I just don't think that. I don't think that no matter how many character guys you get in here, Chip Kelly's going to be like, all right, now it's time to import some assholes. I just don't think it's going to happen that way. Yeah, I mean, Dan or Mike, do you have any thoughts about the character issues, especially the in the draft? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, uh, I think I think you're you're in a class where, um, you know, the talent isn't terrific. This isn't last year's class or even the year before. And, you know, it's going to it's it's going to limit you. I mean, you already have a lot of limiting characteristics that you look for. Uh, you know, you've got to have a giant, a corner. You've got to have safeties that can play man. Um, you've got to have tight ends that have GPAs over 3.5. I mean, it, it, there's there's a lot that they put on these kids that... That was a joke, by the way. Oh, it failed miserably. <laughs> but, uh, um, I thought there was going to be... Like well, I don't want somebody in the comments section yeah. to be like, well, Zach Ertz only had a 3.2 <laughs> and he was at Stanford. You know, but... Uh, I think that they do limit themselves, but I think they limit themselves for all the right reasons. I, you know, at least with with the character issues, I think there's no reason to have, you know, when you have a guy like Vaughn Miller or uh, Alden Smith who are extremely talented, but then do stupid things, they're not worth the talent if you don't have them on the roster. You know what I mean? So I I agree that I agree with that strategy, at least towards the. Uh, the off the field issues. Yeah. It's like, I kind of get this. I, I, for whatever, I just imagine it's so hard to find guys without one. We have these, like Mike said, we have very strict physical characteristics that either, you know, you're accepted to into a position or you're eliminated altogether. And then when you factor in character stuff, I'm just imagining the Eagle of with like a total draft board with like 50 names on it or something of guys who they're comfortable taking. And it just, it's, you know, you limit the pot this way and it's, you make a very inexact science even more inexact and difficult when you limit yourself this way so much. But it's really a catch twenty two. I mean, how is from a you, do you want to sacrifice from a moral standpoint how you how you feel about certain guys just to take their talent and then you just you know that you can't rely on them to stay clean off the field. Um, you know that's why you saw them take the guys that they did last year, and I think it's why one of the reasons that Chip Kelly gravitates more towards Oregon guys because he knows how they are you know, at their core and he knows how they are personality and, you know, moral fiber wise and what he's going to be getting. And that he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to worry about these guys late at night or with the police or anything like that. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's a really difficult, uh, it's a really difficult thing to kind of balance and justify when you're talking about wanting to get the best possible players. But then when you factor in, Oh, I want the best possible humans too. And it's like, I don't want to sit here and be the jackass who says, 
oh, you know, I would definitely take a guy who's a rapist or a murderer or a, you know, domestic abuser if he helps my team win because at the end of the day, it's just sports and I don't, they don't matter at all in the grand scheme of things. And I, like, would I feel good about winning a Super Bowl with a guy at the quarterback position who I think is a genuinely, like, or just at any position who I think is a genuinely terrible human being? It's like, I don't know, maybe that means I'm getting, like, too old for this shit. I don't know, but... It's yeah, <laughs> no, not at it, all. I, I think I think I'm with you there, too, Dan. I just think there's I don't want it to become a misjudgment of character. Like I, I know that people have get a bad reputation. The guys that Matt mentioned are, are for obvious reasons. I mean, that that's why they're there. Um, but, you know, a lot of these guys are young kids. A lot of these guys make mistakes. And yes, a lot of them continue to do it. But there are some that can can change that change that around, find their maturity, all that other I stuff. I think there's a difference between making mistakes and being a bad person, and these mistakes reflected, right. you know, it's getting drunk and swerving into oncoming traffic and nearly, you know, killing some kid's life, you know, ending some kid's life or beating the shit out of your girlfriend or raping someone. These aren't mistakes that are Correct. just you know, yeah, by you. Not, not specifically, these specifically with these three guys. But no, but no, getting kicked out of school for smoking weed, I mean, that's yeah. more of a, that's more of a thing that, yeah, a lot of us, you know, we're in our we range from mid twenties to mid thirties. You know, we're not, we don't see as a big deal, but it also shows their, you know, they know they're going to get drug tested. It shows their mental stability. I think with that, but if you're looking at something like a kid got, got kicked out for academic issues, that's ridiculous to me. You could have a learning disorder. You could have what, you know, and, and being football smart and being book smart are not in the same plane whatsoever. You know, not even close. That's that's the thing I want to address about that too, is just like, you know, there's a ton of football players and none of them are smart in a social sense at all. So I'm, I'm almost tired of hearing that as a friend. It was always really smart kid makes great decisions. You know, that really has nothing to do with it. You could make horrible decisions off, off the field and make great decisions on the field. It's it's a whole different thing. It's just it's just whatever you're good at and that's, you know, that's why it looks smart or whatever. It's because you can you can do your job. Uh and it, I don't know. It's uh I I I do worry about some of that stuff every now and again, but I again, I'm still on the Eagles are good. Yay, <laughs> winning high. So I um I don't know. I I am a little more nervous about this offseason than I was previously for sure about all these things because there there's going to be a come point in time where they're just bigger stronger there's there's better players and all that stuff and it's a lot there's a lot of uncertainty without any definitive answers that we can point to like this is right. you know unless it's Mariota and we're so convinced god god I really hope that he just gets so picked apart during this whole process and that yes. team's half on him and he drops and oh, like you know right. we're starting to get towards like pick seven to ten and he's still on the board <laughs> and that's like the point where you don't have to give up Three first round picks: Fletcher Cox, Michael Kendrick, Zach Ertz to get them. Yeah, you know, because I, that's really that's that's. Well, really here, here, I'll give you, I'll give you an example of a guy with academic issues that the Eagles passed on. I don't know if they passed on him because of off the field, whatever. He had to transfer from, uh, from Ohio State to Ball State. Um, uh, Jerome Newsom, who just had a forced Whoa, fumble on on yeah, Peyton yeah. Manning. Yeah, the linebacker who I was. I if you guys John, remember, John, I was Jonathan Newsom. Jonathan, sorry, Jonathan who I was absolutely huge on during the offseason leading up to the draft, uh, he ended up having six and a half sacks during the regular season while Ed Reynolds didn't make the team. So, and he, Ed Reynolds was taking, Ed Reynolds was taking two, uh, two picks ahead of him. So, yeah. so it's stuff like that where it's like, mm, yeah. Uh, and, you know, you, we mentioned, we mentioned uh, a lot of the quarterback talk and we've been doing that pretty much since the season ended and everybody said they're, 
their kind of different takes on anything. Matt, I know you want to say that uh, you need an exit strategy here. Um, you know, is is besides guys not named Winston or Mariota, do you feel comfortable with any other quarterbacks, even though it's a bad class that could maybe develop into something in a year, eight weeks, whatever it is, once they are drafted? Well, yeah, I think that's what the um, what I really mean by an exit strategy. So, so what I mean, what is what is an exit strategy? So, an exit strategy is uh, okay. It's week eight. Foles is hurt. He's sucking. Uh, whatever. Something's gone wrong. And, and you know, I, I might get a lot of crap for this, so feel free to tweet me. But um, I, you know, that's a, that's a very likely outcome. I mean, if we're, if we're talking about giving him another year, realistically, eight more games in the next season, we're going to know if he's fragile or if he's bad or maybe if he's okay. Um, but, but I think that, you know, you get eight weeks into the season and um, so, you know, worst case scenarios happen and we just have nothing. Suddenly, you know, John and I, we hop back on Bleeding Green BGN Radio here and we're like, well, I, for one, would love to see uh, Charlie Whitehurst. I want to see I want to see him start to get some time because let's be honest, uh, I like, I'll ever say that somebody somebody like Charlie Whitehurst is going to be next year's Mark Sanchez. And we're just going to uh. be like, well, let's give it a shot. You know, like this guy's gone nowhere or this guy, he hurt himself again or, you know, whatever. Uh, and I just want to see I just want to see anything else. Um, I think it would be a lot better if we were talking about calling for a young guy, um, some guy with something, some guy who's been, you know, with the team for seven or eight months, you know, from the draft to October. Um, you know, he's been been with the team for a while and he's maybe he's something. Maybe there's a little bit of a wrinkle. Maybe we can at least get a glimpse of what the um, of what the future is or if if he's even got any sort of future at all. Just basically, I don't want to be going through a week eight and being like. Uh, I really think that, you know, this very middle of the road veteran guy is, you know, is going to I just want to see what, we, what he has because I'll, that just depresses the hell out of me. No, and I, I get that. And I, I'm not sure I, I haven't been jazzed enough for unless, you know, it's named Mariota to see anything that's, oh, yeah, this guy could really come in and fit. And I know Mike was talking a little bit about that off air and you have your Garrett Grayson's and your Bryce Petty's and. Uh, you know, all that other stuff. But uh, I mean, like, are you going to wait? I, you know, it might get a good point. Are you going to waste the the fourth round pick on a guy that you probably know doesn't have uh, that high of a ceiling and probably won't be any better than Nick Foles, you know? Um, so, Mike, where do you come out on that? Do you see any any one of those guys that could, uh, you know, develop over time and, and, and do something fun here? I'm probably in the minority, but I like Bryce Petty more than I like Brent Hundley. As far as second-tier quarterbacks are concerned, I think both of them could possibly develop into the starter. I'm not convinced either one of them will be. Um, and it's something that Dan and I kind of talk about through text all the time as to, hey, is this guy really going to be any good? And when we do our, you know, what grades we have on them, and we'll toss Blake Sims into there as well where we'd be comfortable taking these guys. Do we think that these guys, you know, as a third-round pick, are guys that could develop into starters because that's what third round picks are. Uh, you better be getting a starter or a guy who could eventually develop into a starter there. And to me, you've got to have your come to Jesus moment in the draft room. Okay. We think this guy could be the dude or he could be a developmental guy in the fourth round that we could get like what Barkley was supposed to be and what it looks like he's not, yeah. you know? So I, I think there, 
you have to look at that. But to me, I don't really understand this general consensus like, hey, we have to get anything other than Nick Foles. And that's annoying to me. I'm I, I'm probably in the middle of the Nick Foles is great. Shit, we have Nick Foles debate. <laughs> but the only two guys I would take over him talent-wise, like right now, are Mar- Mariota and Winston. And Winston's off-the-field stuff. We brought that up earlier. Uh, about guys that have that. I don't think he's a fit for the Eagles. So really, it's Mariota or bust. And I agree with, we brought up Proto Tyler's uh, tweet earlier about trading whatever. I'd be happy trading this entire draft in a second round pick next year for for Mariota. If you want to make that deal, I'm 100% supportive of that. But if you're not, you realize you're not getting Mariota unless he absolutely nose dives, which I doubt he does. And it's hard to talk about, even though we beat it to death. And then you're looking at a guy like Garrett Grayson maybe in the fourth round. You're looking at a guy like Hunley. You're looking at a guy like Petty. You're looking at a guy like Sims. And then you, you your job is to determine what their ceiling is. Because, honestly, I don't know if they have a better ceiling. Or, here, here, this is better. I don't know if they have even close to the floor that Nick Foles has. Which is something that you need to take in consideration to. Yeah, and it's... Um... <laughs> Yeah, that, I mean, nobody really knows either, but uh, there has to be, I, I would rather, I don't know, I think I would rather just uh, put all the marbles in at once, and I don't mind the rip off the Band-Aid strategy that Mike said, like, it, it, sure, if you got to do it, let it be one year and then be done with it. Um, it it's just, that, you know, it, I think it's going to be more complicated if Foles comes in here, does about the same that he does this year, and now you're stuck with, whatever they have as a backup, Matt Barkley, and hopefully a better QB class. You know, I I, I just, I, I'm just, I think we've had this discussion a lot too, is at what point do you say, okay, we, we have to do something about this, you know? Is, you know, is, it's the most important position in sports, and you can't just keep kicking it down the road and saying next year's prospects will be better, because I'll be honest, I heard that same thing last year, and now this year everyone's year like, yeah. and, and the year before that, that. And, and every every year they're like, well, you know, next year we got this guy, we got this guy, we got, you know, there's some some you know guy who runs a pro style system somewhere out west, and you know we're really looking forward to that guy. And and then either he plays himself the number one contention, and we play ourselves out of it, or he just takes a total nosedive. But either way, I mean, I remember having this exact same conversation. Like, let's give Foles another chance, and next year we can see if we can get Mariota or Winston. And uh, you know, the, what are we going to do? We're going to talk about it this year and say next year we can get I don't even know who Travon Boykin or Jacoby Brissett or somebody like that. I mean, yeah, Christian Hackenberg. There you go. There's going to be another Keel. guy. Gunnar Keel. Gunnar Keel. Yeah. Or um. Yeah. So so we're talking. About, it's the most important position in sports, and you can't keep kicking it down the road. You have to churn. I mean, at the very least, we're going to need to replace Matt Barkley because Matt Barkley isn't anything. Yeah, and it's um. You know, we're going to wrap up here because we're we're uh, running short on a little time, but uh, it's going to be um. Yeah, that, I think that's that's the most worrisome thing. I'm going to throw out a name. I know it's been thrown out before. Brandon Bridge to me could be a guy that I, I would, I would love to take over the Matt Barkley position. I was just going to bring him up too. If you watch the, if you go to YouTube, you can watch his cut of the Mississippi game. There's a lot of impressive stuff from yep. him. I think, you know, the, the Appalachian stack game state game is the one they have on, on draft breakdown and he's got his mechanics are all over the place and he looks very raw, but you see in the Mississippi state game against legit com- competition, you see, really good flashes of a guy who's like, oh, my God, we could do a lot worse than taking this guy on day three and trying yeah. to develop him. Now, I still, I'm still partial. I know Blake Sims had a bad look against Ohio State and all that, and Mike's not high on him. I still believe I'm actually going to do a huge breakdown on him. 
I sent I have like a bunch of notes from all of, a lot of his games this season. I'm going to do a breakdown article on BGN, but I still believe in Blake Sims as your developmental guy. Maybe you're not taking him in the second or third round anymore, but as a fourth round guy with his ability, oh, fourth round, with, yeah, sign me up. Even 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 bumping him up, like Mike and I have this policy of if you like a guy at quarterback, you bump him up around just to make sure you get him. It's the the Russell Wilson corollary here, um, and I think uh, Blake Sims is still my. He doesn't have the strongest arm, um, and sometimes his accuracy can be a little off, but. For a guy in, in his first year starting, I saw a lot of positive things, and I would—I'm I'm still in. You know, I, I still love—I still love his ability. I still like him a lot more than most of the other quarterbacks who aren't Mariota or whatever. Um, I like him better than Brent Hundley. For, Brent Hundley for sure, but Brent Bridges. Brent Bridges is very interesting. He's a guy who I'm going to be studying a lot more as we get deeper into the process, just because of his his size and his athletic ability. He has like. He has a couple runs where you just you swear that he's, he's got those strides where he just looks like Kaepernick going yeah. down the sideline, and he's got raw arm talent, quote unquote. I hate that term, but it's true. <laughs> you know, raw arm talent where it's just like, all right, like Kaepernick. Him, you know, and he, I, I, I can't even count the number of drops that he had. So in the Mississippi State game, there were at least like a few drops, one on a, on a certain touchdown early on in the game, and it's just like you you wonder about this guy in a real offense with real coaching because all the tools are there. And also, he speaks French, so that's pretty cool. There you go. There you uh, go. Well, I'm sure we uh, we will probably just deem this the the draft uh, the draft show, and we'll be continuing that on all through February and March as much as we possibly can, along with fitting and all the uh, you know the GM and uh, breaking Eagles news and making fun of the Cowboys when uh, Rod Malinelli goes down to the uh, Buccaneers and has a little Tampa two part two, and, and they lose in devastating fashion on a karma call. <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, for myself, John Barchett, for Mr. Matt Daring, Mike Kay, and Dan Klossner, we thank you so much for listening to this episode of BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and LibertyBroadcast.com. Good night, Jason Garrett. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com, fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.